Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kaya and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called You May Be Barking Up the Wrong Tree, Re-Evaluating Your Audience. Let's get started. While most of your customers will likely enjoy your product, some just won't. Some customers will be complaining a lot and they'll be asking for features that you don't intend to ever build or they are generally very hard to please. When you notice that something is wrong, you can usually track it, trace it back to one or more of your assumptions not being aligned with your audience. This kind of misalignment can be grouped into three types. Conflicts arising from members of your audience not being aligned with which problem you solve, how you solve it, or how your product works. So we'll look into all of these three misalignments and see why they can happen. The most fundamental misalignment you can experience is when you're solving a problem that your prospective customers just don't have. It's called the audience problem misalignment. It won't matter if you build the world's most amazing product, if it provides no value to your customers. Only a solution to their critical problems can generate that value for them. When your customers don't convert or even show interest in your product, look for these potential product-related reasons. Number one, maybe you're not looking at the critical problem at all. Have you adequately validated that the problem you're actually solving is critical? Could you have asked different customers than the ones you're targeting and as prospects at this very moment? Double down on your validation efforts here. Ask more and different prospects and figure out why what you assume to be critical is not perceived as such. Do you need to make your prospects aware that they even have a problem? Sometimes you have to raise awareness before people can adequately understand that your solution to their problem is needed because the problem is actually a problem. At Feedback Panda, we often had to show our prospects that writing student feedback was actually a waste of time when they did it manually. They just didn't know it could work any other way. If if you need to do customer education before you can show your value prop, you have to adjust your messaging and your marketing efforts accordingly. It's really it needs a different kind of yeah, different kind of message if you need to not just tell people about your product, but to actually educate them on their own problem. The second audience problem misalignment is that maybe you're not looking at the critical problem anymore or just yet. Between your problem validation and now, has something changed when you initially looked at it? Is it is it different now? Is your prospect's workflow different from the one that you assumed they had when you selected which problem to work on? If some of your customers fit that kind of pattern, be extra diligent in figuring out if this is where your customer base is coming from or where they are going towards. If their non-critical problem is turning critical, that's great. Just sit it out. But if it's a critical problem turning non-critical, you need to act immediately and figure out which problems you need to solve to retain your customers and keep helping them with obviously different critical problems. That just happens over time, right? There can be regulation. There can be a change in the industry, some new technology coming up, turning a previously critical thing into a non-critical thing. And that is one of the most scary moments for a business that is built around a critical problem that has been pretty much solved or is vanishing. So you really need to pivot at that point. Uh, that also means you really need to check every now and then 
to see if the, the problem you're solving is actually still critical. And this needs to be a continuous effort, something that happens every couple months, maybe every couple weeks, depending on the industry you're serving. Let's look at the third one here. Maybe you're looking at a critical problem, but not theirs. And by them, I mean your audience. Are you sure that you're actually talking to the right prospects? Are you, are you sure that you are solving the problem that they have? If you're absolutely sure you're solving a critical problem, then there's someone somewhere who's willing to pay for it, right? And finding those other audiences that um, have this critical problem when the, when the people that you're talking to don't um, is possible by just looking into adjacent markets. Figure out what differentiates these good prospects you find in the adjacent markets from the ones that don't care about the problem you're solving. And then market exclusively to the ones where you stand a chance. It's always a big issue to figure out that the audience you're trying to serve with the problem that you think you found is not interested in your product or in your solution. So many people give up at that point. But you had an inclination you had like a feeling a thought at this point that somebody somewhere had this particular problem and you selected this particular audience because you thought it was most likely that it was them well like with everything statistically you will have the chance that it didn't work that these are not the people who need it but at least you have a kind of path that you can just continue to research on to find the people that actually have this problem. So don't give up just yet, even though um, you're not looking at the right critical problem for the right audience, but you still have something to go on at this point. Beyond the problem, can also look at the solution. And let's talk about the audience solution misalignment problem. Sometimes you're working on the right problem, but you solve it in a way that doesn't resonate with your audience. This is often due to a lack of solution validation, particularly how well you've understood the jobs to be done of your prospective customers and what they need to get them done. Let's talk about several solution-related reasons that might cause misalignment with your audience. Maybe your solution doesn't fit your prospect's workflow. Sometimes the institutional barriers in your prospect's jobs may be too high for you to overcome. If the level of we work like this here is incompatible with a newer, different solution, your way of solving the problem just won't fit. A lot of restaurants could benefit from a computerized order system, yet many prefer the time-honored technique of memorizing orders. It just wouldn't fit to pull out a tablet and painstakingly enter, enter every order where before a mnemonically gifted waiter impressed diners with their capacity to remember all these kind of things. It's just not what these kind of people want in their professional life. So it doesn't fit their workflow. Maybe your solution is also just incomplete. If you operated a fishing equipment store that only sold fishing rods but no fishing lines, would you expect customers to return once they figured out that they can't buy everything they need to get fishing? The same is true for your solution. If you help your customers with their problems insufficiently, then they will likely lose more time using your product than they would be doing the old way, the way they did it before. So find out what shape the input into your solutions will have and what your prospects expect as outputs and provide means for your solution to work with them, both the inputs and the outputs. If your customers have Excel files and expect 
the results of using your solution to be a fully features one file PDF with reports and calculations in there, you should not ask them to supply you with, with uh, CSV files and produce work documents as a result. Right? Just really fit their workflow and fit it completely. Envision a solution that works with the inputs and outputs that your customers will realistically have and expect. And finally, maybe your solution is just too complicated. Often this is related to the inputs and outputs and the necessarily pre and post work that goes into making them compatible with the rest of the workflow that your customers have. Other times your solution just involves steps that your customers can't envision taking, either because they don't have the knowledge or permission to do that. Even your solution validation calls that you should always do in the preparation stage of your business, but also later when you, do when you make changes to your product, make sure that your prospect can take every action that they need to take to use your solution effectively. And this is not just a question of skill, it's really also a question of permission. And you often see this in uh, struggling SaaS companies that sell to teams, to individual workers, expecting them to be able to do all these kinds of things. But then you figure out that only the team lead or only the manager is able to input certain information and usually starts with credit cards or like personally identifiable information for customers, but it goes into other kinds of data as well. So make sure that in your validation calls, in your communication with your prospects to figure out what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And don't build things into your solution that run into this kind of permission barrier. Finally, let's talk about the audience product misalignment. That is the one where there's yeah, the, the highest distance between the people using the product and your vision of the product. If problem and solution are aligned with your audience, which is great, it might actually come down to the product being at fault. There's still a lot of potential risk in there. Problem and solution are mostly abstract concepts, but a product, however, is a real-world implementation of your solution. And it's exposed to the changing needs and preferences of your customers. So take a look at your product to see if it may be misaligned in one of these three ways. First, maybe your product operates in the wrong medium. Are you offering a web-based SaaS and your customers expect a native mobile application? Or are you sending emails where your customers would prefer text messages or push notifications? Do your customers have to use your complicated interface on a small screen? This really extends beyond your product too. It extends to your help desk as well. Are you offering real-time help where your customers need a paper trail and prefer email because they need to have some sort of documentation for their reporting? Or are your tutorials videos when your customers would prefer reading technical documents? Medium is really important. And in digital internet businesses, we have a lot of choice. It didn't used to be this way. It used to be the web or nothing else. But now with tablets and mobile phones and I guess even virtual reality systems making their way into professional workplaces, there's a lot of different mediums for both your product, your content, your help desk, your support, like all these things happen somewhere and everybody has a preference. So try to figure out which medium your niche audience, your well-defined audience prefers and focus on that. That being said, don't exclude other things. So if you have a help desk, which you should, 
some sort of knowledge base and a chat system for people to talk to you about you know, customer service issues. Offer articles, offer videos, and walkthroughs through your software. Like use Loom or some some sort of recording software that records both your screen and you explaining stuff. Just really make it tangible in many different ways so that people who have different preferences and even with the most well-defined audience, you will have different people in there having different preferences can actually solve their own problems easily. There's the whole point of having a knowledge base and having support documents in different formats is to maximize the chance that a customer will not have to talk to a real person inside your company to get their problem fixed. So make sure the medium is right. Second, maybe your product or your messaging is too technical. If your customers are much less technically inclined than you are, your elaborate product might actually scare them away. So do your customers need an interface with 20 different buttons to allow for all eventualities? Are they that technically skilled? Or would a much simpler interface with a few configuration dialogues be a better choice? Can you expect your customers to have your level of technical affinity? And I guess this goes out to all the technical founders, to all the developers uh, turning entrepreneurs, like just like myself, who think that everybody can deal with complex interfaces the same way that we can. Well, they can't. So make sure you simplify this to the technical skill level of your customers, which unless you're selling to developers skilled enough to build a whole business from the ground, is likely less than yours. We ran into this issue with Feedback Panda 2 in the beginning. Some of our customers were very new to online teaching and they were scared to make, make, make mistakes using their computers and take so long time and a lot of hand-holding to support, help these kind of customers to use your, the product efficiently. And sometimes it just won't work. They'll give up and move to a more straightforward product or no product at all. At that point, you should stay in close contact with them and see what they need and if they can, and yeah, if they find something that helps them, really just look into com competitors and competitive alternatives, which is not necessarily the same, and, and see if there's something that speaks to them and learn how you can able, enable that in your own product as well. That is really important. Um, we had a number of people who wouldn't use a product, but would use like a commonly shared Google Sheet that other teachers would use to share their feedback templates. And there was something about it that was just a little bit easier than our product at that point. So we really looked into this and tried to figure out, well, why is this? Like, is, are there too many steps? Is our interface too cluttered or is it too complicated? And I think that was at a point where we redesigned our whole interface to just make it more usable on, on a glimpse, right? Just so you don't have to go through too many steps and understand how the product works, but you can actually use it quickly from one central screen. That was our learning at this point. So that kind of enabling of simplicity, you will need to talk to people about. You will need to figure out what is simple to them because what is simple to you might be way too complicated for your customers. And it's not just technical complexity um, in the product per se, it could also be caused by something simple like the wording of your messaging. For example, do your customers understand the phrase, let's say, heuristic-based statistical sentiment analysis? Or would a find the tone of a message kind of message be more clear? Right? It's the same thing, but you can kind of massage it 
into a much, much different kind of tone. So you don't need to dumb it down, but you also shouldn't overcomplicate it. As an engineer, I feel I want to be as precise as possible, but customers don't necessarily value this as much as you might think. So sometimes you just need to speak the right language to reduce technical complexity. And that's all it really is. Finally, maybe your product is really just confusing. When we had too technical, we had wrong medium, and now we're looking at a confusion as a misalignment. Your customers don't want to be confused, obviously. They don't want to be surprised by your product, and they definitely don't want to learn anything new to be able to solve a problem that they had already had to learn a different product or a manual solution for in the past. Your product should be simpler, easier, and faster than anything that they've encountered in the past. And if it's not, getting to understand your product is cognitive load for your customers, and very few are willing to take that upon themselves. Because they're already stressed, they're already kind of buried in work, and having to learn yet another thing to solve something that you already solved, hmm, right? So not a very interesting thing to do. And that's not to say that people won't learn how to use your product ever. It just means that the simpler your product, the more prospects will play around with it to a point where they can see themselves using it in the future. So it, this will actually translate into your conversion rates if you have a free trial or something like that. Finally, let's really talk about how to deal with all of this. Because now we've looked into the three kinds of misalignment that you can have between the audience, the problem, the solution, and the product. But how can you deal with this? And here's the worst case scenario in all of this. Your product might just not be for them. They might just not be your audience. And just like a death metal band is not making their music for an audience of K-pop fans, you don't have to bend your product into a shape that works for a market that doesn't value your vision. There'll always be people who wish for things to be different and they will be very vocal about that. Then they just need a different solution. But you're not the one that provides that, which is fine. You are the one that provides your solution. Of course, if all of your customers exhibit this behavior, you should really stop and reflect if you're talking to the wrong audience altogether. To find the customers that don't complain and see what makes them happy. Focus on finding more of those customers and replace the customers that don't fit your audience anymore. On the other hand, if you have found that you're serving the right audience, but you're a bit misaligned on your perception of the problem or solution or product, you can fix it. And once again, reach out to your customers to validate your assumptions before you do anything and dive deeply into those points of friction that you find in those kind of conversations. Engage customers you've asked before as well as new prospects that you haven't talked to in the past because getting fresh and new unique opinions into your validation calls is very important at that point because their absence may have led you to the impasse that you're currently facing, right? So get new voices. Um, and one of the great things about, about being a bootstrapper in this case is how agile you are. You can react quickly to changes in the needs and wants of your customers. And if you're wrong with an assumption, you'll quickly find a better perspective to take. And you can improve your product and your business immediately. There's no shame in being wrong about your assumptions. They're mostly guesses after all. But make sure you admit mistakes quickly and focus on making your bootstrap business better with just one assumption at a time. I would like to talk to you about the misalignments that I encountered both with Feedback Panda and the other much less successful businesses that I was part of before, right after this. My show is participating in the Help Founders Project, and today I would like to shine a spotlight on Hugo by Darren Chait. 
you're probably in a thousand Zoom meetings right now. I certainly am in a couple. There's a lot of information that goes missing if no one is taking notes in these. And I've been doing this uh, with pen and paper, apparently. And even when someone does take notes, the insights and the actionable things are hard to extract and to share. Hugo is a connected meeting notes software. It's calendar-centric tool that will help you preserve and organize information from your meetings so that you can actually act on your learnings instead of sifting through documents. Hugo is highly integrated into all new work tools like Slack and Trello and Zoom, which is kind of cool. There are over 20 integrations and it even integrates into Office. So that's, that's quite awesome. Um, they're also, um, yeah, they made their product free for up to 40 users on the plan they call Suddenly Remote. And that's really just nice because I guess like everybody is remote at this point, at least everybody listening to this podcast, I would assume. So if you're in a lot of meetings or you know somebody who is in a lot of meetings, I recommend two things. Well, I actually recommend meditation and petting a dog every now and then. But once you've done that, go check out Hugo at hugo.team. So, all right, let's uh, talk about how you can actually get some more support from me and other podcasters. I'm happy to support fellow founders. And if you want your business to be featured in a podcast like this one, you can apply to the Help Founders Project. For more details, just head over to helpfounders.com and submit your application. All right, let's talk about the kinds of misalignment that I've faced before. We had a few audience problem misalignment situations at Feedback Panda. Um, and I really need to mention low usage customers here. They did not understand that they actually had a problem. The pain for our customers only came out at a certain scale. And even with customer education, we couldn't reach those people because they had never felt the problem before, or at least not yet. It's incredibly hard to convince somebody that they will have a critical problem in the future when everything points at things being manageable without help. You have to let those people experience the problem before you can help them. That's, there's no way around that. That means, and that meant for us, that we just wanted to stay on their minds, be present as a potential solution, and as a business that helps advanced teachers in the hopes that they would find us again in the future when they were advanced teachers themselves. So we just needed to be, you know, we, we needed to reach out to them and make them aware that we are a business that helps teachers. Maybe not them just yet, but we would be there for them later. Also, and this is a slightly different segment, um, there was a segment in our audience that I would call the purists. They were teachers who experienced the problem. It was clear to them but they thought it was their moral duty to spend the time manually writing all of their student feedback. To them, it was almost like an artisanal act. For these teachers, being a real teacher included taking the time to handcraft messages every single day. And using a tool like Feedback Panda cheapened their professional self-perception. And we would never reach those kind of customers by highlighting how much work we automated away with software. So for this segment, we positioned our product as a helper tool that allowed them to remember more about their students. Well, it was intended to be a feedback generator, at least that's what we built Feedback Panda as from the beginning, turned into a CRM, an external brain for building long-lasting relationships with your students. Positioned that way, we overcame the misalignment without changing the product. All we needed to do, to do was actually change the messaging to talk both about automating the mundane and allowing for building relationships. So this was a positioning problem. Then 
there were audience product misalignments at Feedback Panda as well. We built a native mobile app that went nowhere. Anyway, we expected our customers to have a mobile device from which they would want to create feedback. And only half of this was true. Our customers definitely owned a phone, like all of them, but they weren't willing to work from it. Phones were for Instagram and for YouTube. Anything resembling work would be done from the computers that they'd use for teaching. Clear lines in the sand. And only a very select few would use their phones for work and only in emergencies or when they uh, went on vacation or something. Our app never had more than a hundred and some installs, uh, which was kind of sad for me as a developer, and it was used by less than a percent of our users. So it was completely pointless to build this and it was built on wrong assumptions. Once we understood that, we scrapped all development and focused all effort on making the desktop version of our product more responsive so that it would be usable on tablets, which we saw people migrating to for work. But small screens were never a target for optimization efforts after that. And we sometimes had people complain or at least call in and say, write in and say that oh, it doesn't look too good on a, on a phone. But these were really people that had messed up their regular workflow. So it was a really, really small minority and it never really amounted to much more than a complaint, right? People really didn't need a feature there. Um, that was one of the learnings and it was sad because technically this was really interesting. It was pretty much the first real hybrid app that I ever built with React Native and it was really, really interesting to build it and see how it scales on different phones and everything, but it wasn't worth it. So after building this for a couple of weeks or, or a month, and we had a test flight run on iOS and everything. So it was an elaborate thing. But if, once we saw that people didn't adapt it, we just scrapped it. So it was a clear product misalignment because people didn't need it in this medium. Right? It was a medium problem, not a complexity problem, but just around medium. We always try to stay aware of how our services and the channels through which they were used were received by our audience. And I've recently spoken to Jane Portman of the Rye Breakfast podcast about this in an episode on continuous validation. And the concept is really simple. Check in with your customers, their requirements, your product and yourself every now and then. Check in regularly, make sure that there's alignment along all those lines, like your customers still have a problem, they still need your product, your product still solves the problem, and you really still want to build your business, right? If you can make sure that these things are still the case every couple months, that is the core concept of continuous validation. And if those things don't happen, it's easier to notice when you regularly do these kind of check-ins. Otherwise, these things can slowly creep up and manifest themselves in severe challenges that are hard to overcome once they're too big. So keep an eye out for misalignments. Now that you know what kinds may be coming your way, you'll just see them much faster. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at avidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder podcast, please leave a rating and the review on Apple Podcasts and wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It'll help other founders and founders-to-be to find this podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.